Welcome to What The If. COVID-19 version. COVID-19 episode number... Two, I think. Yeah, number two. That is my fellow co-host, but do not imagine us being together. We are completely separated. As per sanitary... Although, to be perfectly frank, we're always separated when we do this. It's true. So it's really, it's really like the rest of the city has caught up to us. Yeah. You know, it's, so I work at home most of the time anyway. And usually it's very, it, it is very pleasant, you know. Uh, I'm, there's people who work in an office and I'm the one that's out. And then I, you know, they, we just communicate as needed. And most of the time I'm, I'm working independently, which is great. Now that ever, I have never been so busy, like it's never been so hectic as it is now. Now that everyone is working from home, I'm so it's as if the the office is now virtual. So now suddenly I'm back in the office. It's like people just randomly. Yeah, they've tracked you down. Yeah. Yeah. And the truth is, I could go to the office, but it is a viral hellscape. (laughs) I think. You make it sound so good. Yeah, I don't know. It's a very nice office. Uh, anyway, Matt Stanley. That's Matt Stanley, Professor Matt Stanley of New York University, uh, slightly off campus uh, at the moment. Uh, that's right. About 100 yards. 100 yards off campus because it is a viral hellscape. Yep. Okay. Uh, uh, and I should say, I say, I, I feel the, the need to... Um, uh, point out that having to flee school because of plague can have good repercussions. Um, so about uh, 350 years ago, Isaac Newton was a student at Cambridge and had to go home because they canceled classes because of the, pl- the plague, like the literal plague. Um, and then while he was home, he invented calculus and figured out the laws of optics and gravity and uh, physics. So I expect all the students who currently don't have classes to be working on a new law of nature. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. That's a perfect time to bring in our incredible guest today, uh, Gabby Panicia. Did I pronounce that correctly? Yep, Panis- you did. That's a great name. Gabby Panicia, a virolo- vir- virologist or virologist. Yep. How do you pronounce it? I say virologist. A virologist. Uh, and so no pressure. You Are you also working? At, well, you're, you're at Rockefeller University. Just tell us a little bit about what you do there. And what, you know, most people amazingly don't know about Rockefeller. It's like one of the most incredible hidden secrets uh, in the world. Tell yeah, us about- Rockefeller is sort of like this, uh, this like quiet oasis for biology people. Um, most people don't know it by name, I think because it doesn't take undergrad students. Um, so you don't hear of it in the same way that you hear of like MIT or Harvard because your kids can't go there um, unless they're, you know, getting a PhD or they're scientists already. Um, but it has a really like insane history. It's where we found out that DNA was the heritable material. It developed the yellow fever vaccine strain. It started off the whole field of cancer biology with the discover of Rouse sarcoma virus. Whoa. Um, which is a really fun virus. It's actually what got me interested in viruses to begin with. Um, it is a chicken virus that causes tumors um, through just like a weird quirk of biology. It stole a gene from chickens and it got messed up in the virus. And lo and behold, it gave chickens tumors. Um, we only found out about it because this part of New York, uh, we're up on the Upper East Side. And uh, at the time that it was founded in 1901, 
Um, it was all farms. And so a farmer who had a farm on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, because it was all rural at the time, literally brought his chickens from his farm a couple blocks away to this campus. I was like, hey, what's up? Like, tell me what's up. And walked into this scientist's office with a whole chicken. Uh, <laughs> and those were the good old days. Nobody yeah, walks into well, it's office. It's harder getting samples now. Yeah. Well, they do if they come back from McDonald's, maybe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. That is, and so, and the whole history of uh, medicine was changed by this. Yeah. That, so that is why that chicken crossed the road. <laughs> the most, the most yeah, meaningful chicken crossing of a road ever. Um, <clears throat> now, what I one thing I loved you said was that you that is a really fun virus. Yes. So, um, help us understand what does so as how did you first discover? Before we, I'm going to get to our if in our moment. So, audience, get ready to be ifed. It's coming. But I am curious. How did you? get uh intro- what was the first virus that uh grabbed your attention and made you seek this path so i always thought the concept of viruses was really cool um because they're not really alive per se but they're almost alive um they, they just sort of don't fit all of the criteria of our definition but then that of course makes us question our definition of life should it include viruses or not um, and then they're just like distilled natural selection and evolution. They don't have to worry about lifespan because they are a flash in the pan and they are really delicate, but at the same time are extremely flexible that given enough time and bouncing through enough things, you wind up with all of these viruses that can infect weird things that you wouldn't think got, could get infected or produce weird phenotypes or, you know, have weird side effects like Rouse sarcoma virus causing cancer. Um, a, a personal favorite of mine is called Sputnik virus. It is <laughs> a an amoeba virus virus. It's a virus that entirely requires the infection of an amoeba with another virus. And Whoa. it actually makes the infection with the not Sputnik virus way, way less efficient. So it requires essentially infecting another virus, which wow. is infected. Is there, I have now, to ask if it? there's an Apollo, is there an Apollo virus? You know, we don't have one yet, but I would love to start doing some exploration. We're losing. We're losing the race already. You know, we right. are. <laughs> so, so Gabby, what is it about viruses that make them ambiguous in terms of life and being alive? How so are they what? different from like an amoeba that's obviously alive? So one of the criteria that actually viruses don't meet is metabolism. Um, so your cells essentially get hungry. Um, you need to consume things in order to undergo basic processes. They, they are essentially like, they always require stuff. And because of, you know, loss, you're never going to be running this perfect system. So you always need more coming in. Gotcha. Viruses don't. They, they don't really metabolize at all. I mean, granted, they do require a cell that is alive and is actively doing that, but nothing that's packaged in a virus um, needs to eat, so to speak. Wow. Okay, now I'm going to start because cool. you're talking about not being hungry, and I am hungry. We happen to be recording this at lunchtime, as it yeah. turns out. And um, so I'm, I'm imagining being a creature that's never hungry and yet has an endless desire to eat uh, other things. So 
What the if? We're going to do two things here. One, what's it like to be inside a virus just so we can be in there? Fantastic voyage style, looking around and see the mechanism. And the other is what might it be like to be the virus? So what the if you were inside a virus? And what the if part B? What the if prime? You were a virus. So, and uh, you had mentioned there are an enormous variety of viruses. And so we should, you had mentioned before the show, we should choose one. So naturally, we are going to choose the one that uh, has consumed an unbelievable amount of screen time uh, in the news these days. And that is COVID-19. So am I correct? Is that actually the name of the virus? I feel like already I'm on the wrong track. So this virus has like a Daenerys, Khaleesi, endless string of names. (laughs) Um, They're all names for the same thing. We just chose to name it a little bit differently based on what facet of it we're thinking of. Um, So I don't know what we're going to settle on. But like, so for example, go here, it say like SARS-CoV-2, which when I first read that actually freaked me out because I was like, wait, SARS is extinct. Um, it just means it's the second virus to produce the effect of severe acute respiratory syndrome. I think that's what that breaks down to. Uh, right. um, and then um, COVID-19 is literally just co corona, VI, virus, D, disease, and then, you know, the year when it, you know, popped up. And then uh, there's one more. Oh, the novel coronavirus is just that it's new. So... We're probably going to stick with either COVID-19 or SARS-CoV-2. Um, but who knows? It was kind of funny reading the news. To, like It was like a rat race of which name is going to win. I'm sure that when Stephen King heard there was a novel called COVID-19, he was disappointed that he wasn't, <laughs> he wasn't first to the thing. Although he, this is very much a Stephen King situation we're living through. So um, how, first of all, let's say we, wanna, we want to go inside. We've shrunk ourselves down. That is mm-hmm. a given. Obviously, that's yeah. uh, first. Yeah. We well, actually, Matt, explain for those who are completely new to this, including Gabby. What is the, what is what the if? What are the rules we play under? What's the what's oh, the paradigm? So, so yeah. Usually, we try to change one thing and keep everything else the same about the world, and then we kind of run with the consequences. So, in this case, we're not changing anything about viruses. We're just making ourselves small enough that we're smaller than a virus, so we can kind of take a look around. Right. So we're changing. So I should say, yeah. so Gabby, what is the scale here? How big is a virus? Really, really, really small. So <laughs> That's good enough for me. That's good enough. Yeah. I mean, there's a good analogy to draw. And actually, if you have a pencil, a sharpened pencil tip, you can fit about half a billion viruses. Yeah. On the That's tip, billion yeah. with a B, right? I, okay. I believe it's billion with a B from from what oh. I have. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of them. Like in one milliliter, depending on you know how good I am at getting virus out of cells when I'm growing them, you can get like ten to the eighth or ten to the ninth viruses. All right, um, so that's um, all right, so that's bothering me. Um, because yeah. that suggests to me that so if I can get technical for a sec, that they're sub nanometer scale. Is that right? Let me make sure. I'm I'm a, I'm going to give this a quick Google, make sure I'm not misquoting the uh, the information that I got. So while you, like, while you do that, I'm just going to make a note for our audience um, that if it sounds a little, if our audio sounds a little different this week, it's because we are all um, in undisclosed bunkers 
uh, and improvising uh, our situation. I must say that having been someone who uh, does, we, we, we are only recording the audio because it's just easier for to do the show that way, but uh, we are using video to look at each other. And I do, you know, hey, we've all been on video calls like crazy now. To have to turn on the TV and watch the TV stars and the news anchors. I saw Jimmy Kimmel, you know, coming in on his iPhone. It's like, oh, really? What the? Yeah. Um, it's a weird slice. Of they can't. We should. If we'd formed a union, we could have prevented that. <laughs> Gabby, yes. I've, I've reconfirmed with my things. Wonderful. Apparently, yes, half a billion from from what the notes that I have. Um, uh, and based on some of the, uh, there's a, a great source. Um, learn.genetics.utah.edu they have a cell size and shape thing that compares a bunch of different cell sizes to like a coffee bean or a grain of rice um and it lists rhinovirus which is one of the common cold causes as being 30 nanometers um wow. so, okay. all right so i should say that that's freaking me out as, as a physics person um we're used to dealing with small things like the wavelength of light, but the wavelength of light is hundreds of nanometers. Um, so this is uh, so that's this this bothers me that viruses yeah. are actually smaller than wavelengths of light. You can't see them under a microscope. You, well, you need an electron microscope. So you need a microscope the size of an entire room blasting electrons at it in order to see them. That's crazy. Yeah. All right, so we got to get really small here. Okay, so that's all right, so we're. Small. All right, so we're sub-nanometer size, um, and as we walk up to the virus, what are we seeing? What's it look like? It's going to look really spiky. Uh, so that's actually the reason for the name coronavirus. They have all of these extending spikes, uh, and those are not just for aesthetics, although it's kind of badass. Um, they're actually meant so that when it comes in contact with a cell, it can recognize it and, and buy into that and be like, I'm coming in. Wait, so, so the okay. spikes the spikes are a sensor or I'm not sure what, what kind of you... a combination of both. They're uh -huh. like combination sensor and also like cellular lockpick. Um uh, uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. and by the way, just to be clear, um uh when we say it's always funny when we talk about uh, especially biology or evolution or any of these things, and we say it's something is meant to do this or this or that. It's uh, it evolved. It evolved in in this like it just it has these things, and because it has these spikes, it can do this. Um, but if we were the virus, then we might say we were proud to have these spikes, and we would be if we if we still had our human mentality, we no doubt would just be going around stabbing things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'd be pretty excited about it. Right. Yeah. But the virus, what actually motivate, it, motivates, motivates isn't even a great word, isn't accurate, I suppose. But what is it, how does the virus know where to go or does it just bump into things and begin its work? It just bumps into things. Viruses have no ability to move around except for oh. um, kind of just being blasted somewhere by a cough, a sneeze. Wow. Um, or surviving in droplets. Um, so they don't have flagella or anything you see in bacteria, those little wiggly things that let them move. They are solely drifters, essentially. Um, they literally go where the wind takes them. <laughs> wow, interesting. Already I've learned something that I have not learned in an obscene number of hours of watching the horrifying <laughs> news. Really, like I didn't, right? My image of it was that it's it 
it's like a little shark that goes around. And and uh, because we are audio and not video here, although you can go, um, we will soon, um, if they're not there already, we'll have images for you to look at on our website, whattheif.com. But uh, it's a, a, the images I've seen of the coronavirus is it looks like a little globe or like a ball, and it has all these spikes sticking out. And on the end of the spike is, do we know what, like, in, it, it's like a red, at least it's always colored red. Here's the thing. Yeah. What's the di- what's going on there? We see these images of this thing, but what am I really seeing? What is that thing made of, and what's what going on? Yeah. Is protein. Mm. Um, so the only reason why they're colored differently is so that we can tell one protein from another. Mm. Um, and it's it's purely arbitrary. I, I like what color we choose to make them. Um, and actually, under an electron microscope, everything is just black and white. Um, so it's the colors are artistic license. Um, and what those what those proteins those, those proteins are responsible for interacting with other proteins on the host cell. And then you'll also see underneath of that, like if you look a little bit further than the spikes, the thing the globe that they're stuck into, um, that's a combination of other proteins and then also uh, like fat molecules. Um, so coronavirus is actually a little greasy if you want to think of it that way. Uh, um, interesting. And that's actually really critical for viruses getting in. They Cells are also really greasy, as it turns out. Um, and when the virus binds its protein spikes to a host cell, the host cell thinks it's food, kind of, and gets tricked into eating it. And so it it swallows it, and it puts it in this fatty bubble. And uh-huh. it's kind of like a stomach, because then what it starts doing is, is it starts pumping, essentially, acid into the bubble. But the virus knows to expect this. It's like, ah, this is my time to shine. This is exactly what I was looking for. And so then the uh, the spikes, uh, I know at least in flu, but I think it also happens in, with this, um, they, they sort of change shape a little and they pull it close to the, uh, the fatty bubble that the cell trapped it in. And then the fatty bubble of the virus merges with the fatty bubble of the cell and then it kicks out its, its genes, basically. Yeah. Oh, Beware how, the f- long does, yeah. how long does that process take? Um, I actually don't know how the biophysics of that works. Sometimes that's hard to track. Um, it can be pretty quick. Like I, I'm just based on some information I know, not with coronavirus, but with my personal experience um, infecting um, flaviviruses on cells. You can you can get an infection pretty quick, um, sort of within like 15 minutes, and then like if you take the virus off after that point, like, and just let them be cells and you see production of all of the stuff you would expect. So it's, it's definitely within a pretty short time scale that they can, they can get in. Wow. So I have a, cu- a couple of questions. One, the color question was interesting to me. So the actual color, do, do we know, or, or is it, it's like, Matt, you were mentioning that, oh, these things are yeah. smaller than a wavelength hey, of light. So do they this have, is, this is a, this is a weird realm that we're not used to. Right. Once yeah. you get that small, color is not absorbed and reflected and emitted in the same way. So in an important sense, there is no color at this scale of the universe. There's no color. It is, not, it is no longer a meaningful category. Is it? But that, that doesn't even mean necessarily we can say it's black and white. Is that right? Is it, It's no, invisible. It's just color is not a thing anymore. <laughs> yes. So how do you... You said, uh, Gabby, you mentioned in, in the electron microscope, you can see them. Well, you yeah. see it more as like, um, like a shadow, think or something. as like taking a photograph of like braille almost. Like you, you uh-huh. can tell it's raised, um, 
But I think a lot of our data also comes from um, things like cryo uh, cryo EM um, and oh goodness, uh, like X-ray crystallography data. Which these are kind of just a lot of fancy words, but um, like they they let us trap individual proteins to um, model them essentially and, and get really really precise data on the way they're oriented. So I think some of this data also comes from um, stuff where they've isolated individual proteins um, and are able to map, okay, this is this, this is this. Uh, like, for example, you might notice um, as these things go on, maybe the photos that we get that, that scientists start pumping out are maybe slightly higher resolution because someone has gone to the effort of isolating these, looking at them a little bit more carefully, and then wow. remapping them to the whole image. Interesting. Wow, that's amazing. And so, yeah. and then you talked about an infection, and I was wondering, um, I'm going to guess that technically one virus, do you call it one virus or one viral cell? What? Uh, I, I usually say like virion, like particle. Uh, one virion. Uh, oh, I like that. That totally sounds evil. <laughs> so uh, one virion, <clears throat> uh, or I uh, it's a Gilbert and Sullivan song. I don't know. Very, very, very. Uh, so w one virion gets into one cell. That is an infection, certainly for that cell. Um, but for, let's say, like when we get sick and not even seriously sick, but when we begin to feel even the most slight symptoms, how many uh, virions or cells or at what point is that like a real infection? So that's kind of weird. Um, we... I don't know if we have a good judge on the, or at least I don't. Um, yeah. So I occupy the sort of virologist niche further of that. I'm a molecular virologist. Yes. So I know mostly like inside a cell, what molecule is doing what with another molecule. So the whole body stuff kind of escapes me because yeah. I keep getting names of organs. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> for the most part, um, it's the, the point with like, uh, once you get symptoms at that point, like, there's enough viruses in your cells in your cells to sustain it, um, and at the point where you're getting symptoms, you have to think, all right, then there's enough viruses in whatever sort of symptom you have. So if you're coughing, then there's enough viruses in your lungs to produce that response. Right. I guess what uh, I'm getting at is that basically, oh, make you right? Not one. So, but basically, what I'm guessing is, I mean, if if the tip of a sharpened pencil has half a billion, when you are feel when you have a a cold is a whole different thing. A flu, you know, these are different, not the COVID-19 viruses, hopefully for you. Um, but uh, we're talking ungodly numbers of viruses that are inside you, right? Doing that thing. And um, they make more of themselves by using, so they infect a cell and then you said they spit out their DNA. Are they mm -hmm. then converting, is that cell being transformed into another virion? Well, so the cell sort of gets hijacked uh -huh, is uh -huh. like the the virus comes in and really gives you an I'm the captain now moment. Um, and what it does is it initiates a lot of override protocols. <laughs> it starts hiding away the cell's crew so they can't mutiny. Those are all your innate immune uh, factors because we have a lot of stuff just inside our cells that far none will kill viruses. Wait, so this is, Viv, I don't want to run. This is amazing. So this is a real drama. This is Battlestar. Like I imagine Commander Adama from Battlestar Galactic. Exactly. If, if anyone watched it, but just very, very small. Yeah, and hit the whole thing about why battle the Battlestar. For those who know, those the reason the Battlestar Galactica could survive the attacks of the essentially uh, viral like robots, the uh, uh, the enemy, 
was because they weren't networked, the Cylons, right? Yeah, you know, they weren't, the, the ship was not networked and therefore things were kept separate. So what we're saying, what's happening here is you said the, the crew is put away so they can't mutiny. So what, kind of, yeah. show, we are now inside this cell. So what are we seeing? So but, yeah. the virus is doing a lot when it gets in. So in its, when it puts out its genes, for the for a virus like the coronavirus, it's not actually in DNA form, it's in RNA form. And RNA is sort of like the working copy of DNA. Um, if you think of DNA as the blueprints stored on a dusty shelf somewhere, the RNA is like someone taking that down and starting to give instructions. Uh, um, and uh. so that gets translated into a bunch of virus proteins. And the proteins really start doing the work. Um, and so there are proteins that can bind to and you know shove away all of some of the host stuff essentially like you know locking the crew up in a closet somewhere um and then there are a bunch of virus proteins that can say enhance how fast the virus is being created so there's going to be a normal metabolic rate for the cell the cell is trying to make its own stuff using all of the same uh i guess conveyor belts that the virus needs and so the virus is trying to prioritize itself. It's sending itself to the front of the line and saying, we need to make this fast um, and bumping all of the other host stuff to the side. Um, and then it's also... Say, viruses sound like very impolite. Very bossy. Critters. They're really rude. Let's be... They're really rude. Mm. They're like bull in a china shop. Rude. I mean, I will admit, there are some viruses that are a little bit more polite, and that's mostly because we don't even know we have them. Oh, and trust them ah. less. Never trust. You know, Werner, <laughs> Werner Herzog, great filmmaker, fiction and documentary filmmaker, uh, he has a great expression. Uh, he says, I distrust smiles. <laughs> that explains a and lot. And I didn't even do his accent. You know, I did, no, did not even attempt to do his accent. But uh, um, uh, yeah. So I should say these huge numbers that we're talking about, as you were saying, it, it takes billions and billions before we start feeling the effects sort of on I don't our... Know if it's billions, but it's probably a good number. I don't know if that's something that many scientists have a good handle on because you can't liquefy a person to get viruses out. Mm. You shouldn't liquefy a person. Volunteers. No, Volunteers true. needed. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that means that, for instance, I, I could have a thousand coronaviruses hanging out in my body right now. They just haven't multiplied very far, right? But if you tested yeah. me for coronavirus, it would certainly be negative. I actually don't know how sensitive strictly our test is, whether or not, I believe it can detect can detect before incubation time, like before the incubation time. So the incubation time is defined between exposure and when you show symptoms, but that doesn't mean that you aren't building up virus, essentially. Okay. Um, so one of the reasons why our test winds up being pretty sensitive, and I, I'm, I do think can detect before we start showing symptoms, um, is because it amplifies what's there. Um, so it uses a technique called PCR, um, and what it does is it essentially uh, creates more copies in a lab environment of any coronavirus DNA RNA that's there. Um, so that's how we can get enough out to detect it. Okay. So we have to make more copies of it ourselves right. in order to detect that more copies of it are being made inside of you, which I guess sounds kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is kind whoa, of funny. that is a race. So um, uh, maybe I missed a step here. So when when it's inside... 
the cell. It hijacked that cell. Is it now the single pilot of that cell, or what? So let, let's continue the story now. What happens? Uh, and we are inside. We are in the captain's chair. Let's remember. Yes. So our view. Are we? What is the cell that's around us that we have infected? Is it being blown? Is it exploding? Is it getting bigger? Is it what's happening to it? Well, I don't think the shape changes that much of the cell, ah, but ah, your ah. cell is also trying to communicate to the other cells around it. Hey, we got a problem here. Ah, so mm. what happens is as the virus is cranking out all of these virus proteins, your cell is trying to digest some of them and then stick them on the outside of its cell ship so that they can see, oh my God, they got a problem. That's a virus. That's a virus. Wow. Um, so you're, you're actually, your own immune system will do something a little dramatic and be like, we got to blow that up. So your <laughs> immune system can sometimes kill infected cells um, because they're like, we got to stop this from spreading. We got to take this guy out. Um, and then also your body will release things called interferons, um, which do what they say and they interfere. Um, and there, there's a whole huge class of them that have a ton of different responses. Um, but they can also inhibit virus going into new cells. Um, so that's essentially like telling the crew prepare for borders um, and getting everyone ready. <laughs> so how do the interferons work? How do they actually keep the, the viruses out of the cell? So it, there's a whole bunch of different ways. They're, like, they're a huge family. Um, but some of the ways is that they, they create they, they lead to the production of antiviral proteins. And they can also, I believe, um, slow down how fast a, a cell is um, is producing things, essentially the slow the cell's metabolism. Since the virus relies on that factory cranking out things really fast, it essentially slows everything down so that even if a virus gets in there, its rate of making stuff also gets slowed. Um, okay. So then it sort of like dampens the shockwave, basically, of how fast the virus can go from cell to cell to cell to cell. I kind of like the idea of um, sticking the dead viruses on the outside yeah. of our it's ship. Yeah. Else. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost like, you know, um, I, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, a, it's like the smearing blood on your door. So the angel of death passes by. Yeah. <laughs> or no, it's, it's so that the, uh, the, uh, the angels of light so that the Jedi know where to go and they should, well, is that what it is? So so you said they put the, so, so the cell puts some of the viral virus on the outside of itself. Is that saying, come destroy me? I'm infected. Yeah, it's not saying come destroy me. It's a sacrifice. Uh, Wow. Sacrifice. Yeah. (laughs) Amazing. Kind of metal. It's, it's really cool sometimes when you, when you think about it in terms of like, this is a war zone, like, going on. So is it more like the end of Star Trek Three, where Captain Kirk blows up the Enterprise because the Klingons have taken it over? Ooh. You know, like, yeah, that, that's actually a kind of, yeah, that's really what it's like. Nice. All right. Then when that, when the, so, um, again, we are now, we are inside the virus, the virion, inside the cell, and this cell has, when you mentioned it put, is it so did it tear us up and put us on the outside of itself or was it other copies of us? Or, yeah, it's, it's pieces of us. So when we get inside the cell, the whole sphere of us is no longer a thing. That was just a suit of armor to get inside, basically. Ah. So essentially, instead, in, 
once we got in the cell, we got naked. It's a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, but it just kind of has to happen. Uh, and so it's just naked <laughs> RNA going around. But it's okay because we got inside the cell. We're making another set of clothing and another suit of armor. And so what it's doing is it's taking those bits, those clothing suit of armor, and sticking them on there. So I guess it's a little less akin to body parts and a little bit more akin to, like, taking our banners and sticking them on the outside of the ship. Um, okay. Oh, I don't know. I think it's like it's like someone... Body parts is, is also kind of, kind of right because then those would become the body parts of the next particle or, like, other particles that would be made, but it's still pretty metal. Yeah, it's like a tro- so a Trojan horse. You can imagine that uh, it comes in in the form of a horse as a gift and you eat this Trojan horse, which is never a good thing yes. to do. And then it strips off its horse costume... And, says, I wasn't a horse at all. Exactly. <laughs> and then tries to put you, you know, dress itself as you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. rummaging through your drawers, putting on your clothes. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and then trying to convince all your friends that it's you. And then it goes and knocks on your friend's door. And it's like, yeah. I'm Philip. Let me in. Exactly. And your friend is like, sure. Yeah. Then your friend is like, but wait a second. Philip would never wear a t shirt that stupid. Like that they say well maybe he would and then <laughs> open the door yeah and then it's and all then, over and the virus strips off all the clothes all again over. and starts all over around naked all this right, is this so it's basically like an ordinary day in new york city that's right this yeah. this this virus is called not covid19 but it's clothed clothed yeah. <laughs> clothed 20 and um so then you what, what happens here is when uh if you do get sick from a virus it's because the the war has been lost and um, that means that the white blood, your white blood cells or your immune system has not been able to slow down the thing. So it's, I missed a little step. How does the virus, does the virus multiply or is it just that they keep coming and attacking more? So think of it as like waves almost. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. in the first wave, you get maybe like one or two cells that get infected. Second wave, you get three or four and then, you know, it keeps going. It's exponential. But just because you show symptoms doesn't mean you lost. In fact, besides, mm, mm. you have sort of two lines of defense. Innate immunity, which is inside the cell that the virus infects, and then your adaptive immunity. And adaptive immunity is where humans shine. Oh. Evolutionarily, we might be like one of the best species on the planet as far as immunity goes. We are crazy with our immune system. It's awesome. Um, and that's why, okay, sure, you get sick, but then you recover. And actually, um, usually w- w- the part of the cool thing about our immune system is that not only, you know, can we rally um, and then develop these antibodies and recognize the virus and start cracking down on not only our own cells that are infected, um, but also maybe like circulating virus, stuff like that. Uh, we also remember we know that they came here huh. and that's what that's why, you know, you don't tend to get sick with the same thing again. Sometimes it's more complicated with common cold because that's actually like a trillion different things that cause the common cold. Right. Um, but your body knows it's like we've seen this before. Um, and that's really like one of the cool things, too, that once it's fought it off and, you know, you're OK again and it sort of tamped your symptoms down and whatnot. Um it remembers. That's amazing. It's like there's a military school or West Point or something. And it's like, yeah. OK, well bring out the plan from well which in fact in a strange way we all try to do it's like well bring out the plan from 1918 because we got something that seems to be <laughs> and then again you mentioned one of the of, of the many names that Khaleesi this uh, Khaleesi has is um 
a novel virus. So I'm guessing the novel is the dangerous part of it, right? We have not seen this before or the body has not. Basically, yeah, yeah. our bodies never seen this before. We've never been vaccinated against it. Um, so we don't have we don't we might not have as much in our toolbox to fight it. Um, and I think right now we don't know whether or not um, there's anything with uh, so other coronaviruses, fun fact, we are infected by other coronaviruses that you don't hear about that don't cause SARS or MERS or huh. anything like that. They cause the common cold. Again, they're one of the tr- like obscenely large number of viruses that do cause like just regular colds. Yeah. Um, so I think right now, I, I remember reading some blurb, uh, I'll have to look more into it later, but about whether or not there might be something with, okay, if you saw a common cold, especially with children who don't seem to really get sick mm-hmm. that much, mm-hmm. they might've seen a common cold early enough like very recently and then wow it's something that they might be able to use who knows right. right now it's all up in the air because we're not able to do like really comprehensive immuno studies uh, but our immune system is really powerful wow so 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 for all that there's a, a fortunately and uh uh we'll all end by focusing on the vast majority of people who are able to survive this coronavirus yeah. they are all going to be Immune, like I've, I've actually been wondering about this again. This is a little bit outside your realm because this is more like treatment, but um, it's a little bit like chickenpox or something. Like when we when you're kids, it's like let's get them all infected because it's <laughs> it's right, isn't it? So that you are now immune. It's so. Do they still do that, Matt, or is that uh, is there more sophisticated? Well, I mean, that's the chickenpox vaccine, right? Yeah, you don't want to oh. actually chickenpox. You want to get the vaccine because chickenpox is a herpes virus, and you have it forever. Oh. So, oh my goodness! Fortunately, coronavirus is not like that. It doesn't stick around once it's been in you. Uh, but right huh. now, the thing that we're worried about and why we're telling people don't try to get yourself sick so you can get over it is that when more and more people have this, we run the risk of the outside of the virus changing just enough that our bodies don't recognize it before. Think about how you can get the flu multiple years in a row, even though it's not technically the same even though it's all flu, it's not exactly the same. The outside of it changed enough that, you know, we need to give it a second look. Um, you know, it rebranded itself a little bit, so now we don't recognize it anymore. Um, yeah. And that's what we're worried about as scientists, because then that means we have to spend a little bit more time making vaccines, and we might need to make, like, you know, a two-stage thing. Um, and so that's why, you know, we really don't advise, go out and get it now, and so then you never get it again. Right. Um, better, better you wait for the vaccine. And go that route. Um, I'm a, so so we, we can salute as we do, of course, the actual human first responders and um, doctors and ever. I mean, it's what what they are deal with, dealing with uh, is crazy now, and in some countries has been unbelievably horrific. And here is just getting there. Um, but also, we can salute, um, and yet they do this without wanting thanks. It seems, but we can salute the billions of first responders inside you in your immune system is that right yeah they so when you get better does that mean um your 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 immune system by the way is it i just think white blood cells but it sounds like it's a multiple so white blood cells encompasses a lot of other types of cells underneath that but right that's kind of just yeah they're they're sort of a, a big family and what they're doing is basically they're they're slowing they're overwhelming the virus. They're the second wave. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. Amazing. 
well, white blood, white blood cells, immune, whatever you're doing, we salute you. You're too tiny for us to put the picture on. You know, we can't. There's nothing we can do for you. But they don't. They don't seem to want much other than more. Uh, more chicken, or yeah. or if you're vegan, more. Some just give us some more food. Perhaps they just want to be loved. Yeah, yeah. And uh, lastly, lastly, uh, and I mean lastly because I'm, I'm very bad about that. I, well, usually when I say lastly, it means Mm-mm, there's a second wave. There's a third wave. Protein, I uh, believe that, the, I just want to make sure that the uh, protein um, council doesn't come at us and say, you, you've slandered us. Uh, everything there was protein, but is it that everything is protein? Is, is so it, almost everything is protein. Everything is like, protein. Okay. Almost everything is protein. So a, a virus has pr- a pretty good chunk of it is protein. But right. then there's the lipid part that's also important, the fat part. Um and then there's the genetic code, which is also important. Um, so it's it's a it's a team effort by the virus um, in the cell. So much stuff is protein. Proteins are really like the workhorses. Um, those are the crew. When I when I say that the virus locks up the crew, it's locking up the proteins inside yeah. the cell that can do anything. Yeah, I'm sorry. No awards for you, crew, who just gave up <laughs> and just <laughs> went into the broom closet. Hey, so they do a pretty good job. There's a lot of viruses we don't ever get sick with because ah. even if it's in our cells, the crew will kill them. Okay, right on, crew. Well done. Well done, Gabby. This has been unbelievable. Uh, your analogies. I don't know. Do you play strategy games, or did you grow up in the military? Your your. Uh... I grew up with parents who were really curious about what I was doing, and also ah. with my. So my dad is an electrical engineer, ah. and so he was always trying to teach me electrical engineering as a kid. So I think I learned in some part. Sorry, dad, by not example. Um, I was like, okay, I can teach this better than my dad trying to teach me trig at a whiteboard when I was in like elementary school it was it was really bad wow you're bitter i've also been explaining this to them sort of all throughout you know my undergrad and now and so that's been really like a boot camp like how do i explain this to my family knowing like my audience is an electrical engineer and my mom's like a history buff like a a u.s history buff well that's Uh, great well you're, you're really good at this yeah it's interesting you can see why you you have um uh you have mutated perfectly in that ecosystem to become an unbelievable science communicator uh, oh, thank you. yeah really that was very that was very I'm, nice. I'm very proud of my science communicating spike proteins yeah <laughs> right ah size spike that's fantastic gabby that, that this was this is unbelievable rockefeller university is uh very lucky to have you and i i think you you will go on to perhaps uh continue to love these viruses and also conquer them I suppose that would be even more thrilling. It's like, yeah, I love you, yeah. but now you are, I am your master. <laughs> now you must die. <laughs> now you must die. <laughs> yeah. Um, Gabby, would you like to plug anything? Do you have a website or Twitter? Or where where would people go to find out more about you or your work? Tragically, I do not yet. Twitter baffles me, um, despite being, I guess, a, a millennial. I haven't really mastered it yet. Perhaps so- not tragically, because tragedy would be that a brilliant virologist was her career was completely waylaid by twitter (laughs) just disappeared (laughs) best to stay away from it um all right right on now you mentioned one site i believe you mentioned the one thing from utah where people can go and we'll put that in the show notes uh to find out more about scales are there any uh just sort of sources of information uh people can go to learn more about viruses or virology how to be a virologist well, actually, so 
uh, Rock Edu, that is my Rock, my university, the Rockefeller University, our science outreach program. Uh, we're putting together actually a lot of sort of virus virology boot camp stuff. Like, what is a virus? What is it doing? Mm. Um, so just like a lot of basic info stuff. If you want to find out more, um, I also highly recommend um, the New York Times: How Coronavirus Hijacks Your Cells. It's basically just a look at what I was kind of going through, but it has nice, pretty pictures, which is always easier than trying to imagine it yourself. Terrific. Yeah, for sure. That New York Times science section is just unbelievable, and especially with the, the coronavirus. And that's great to know about, Ro- first of all, Rockefeller. Rockefeller is already a pretty badass name. I mean, just for, for all that, it's got, a, you know, a, quite a history. Uh, but to be Rock EDU, that's... Oh, it's pretty nice, yeah. I hope that the Dwayne the Rock Johnson knows, you know, that they're doing that he should uh, bow down to rockefeller briefly um and that's good to, actually i'm going to add that to my sites because i i do it's so hard to find good especially medical information or just non-hysterical science stuff you can trust and so for medical stuff like i go to the mayo clinic or johns hopkins or things like that but i'm definitely yeah rockefeller i'm going to add that to it um matt any um oh. no we're all shut down yeah i'll let you that's know it. Nothing to plug because the plugs have been that's right turned off. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Um, New York University, I can, you know, they're, they're still going. Classes are going by video. Is that what's happening? All, like, as with all yeah, universities. Still, education mm-hmm. is still happening remotely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, great. And, and, uh, that just, I'll just make one mention, by the way, uh, Matt and I are um, kind of retooling the show a little bit not not a lot but we're looking to say you know how can we what can we do to help what can we what what part can we play in this crazy situation the entire world has fallen into and so we're going to start be thinking a little bit more about uh, uh maybe more of a series of episodes something we can actually teach a lesson and if you know anyone because i know there's a billion students of all ages all grades um at home now being homeschooled or looking to learn science tell them about what the if and uh, we're going to also be reaching out to teachers and uh, you know any other places where we can find people to know we'd like to be find out how we can help you teach science in a fun way i think that's our goal um we hope all of you are well no matter where you are we have a vast global audience and i know there's a lot of stuff going on so um we hope we brought you some uh, fun education and entertainment and infotainment to wherever you are, probably stuck at home. Um, one, uh, what as a virologist, what do you do when you are in this time? So we're all washing our hands. Do you have one, like one extra thing, Gabby, that we may not be attending to? Stay inside. Stay inside. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've been home for like five days. It sounds crazy, and it's I'm sure some people, especially in some areas where the case count is lower than it is here in New York, are probably like, what are you doing? You can go outside. Yeah, sure, I could go out for a walk as long as I'm six feet away from people, but... I live in New York City, still enough high density of people. I'm staying inside. And also, so in case I become sick, I don't get anyone sick. I think it's good you're learning right away that in New York City you should stay six feet away from people. That's just a gift. That was a given before. It was just impossible. Yeah, now it's just a little easier to do that. 
very good, very good. Thank you very much. Yeah, and I think that having impersonated a virus as we've done for the past hour or so uh, may give you a sense of when you go out, that's the thing. You actually are, you are carrying the virus, but in a way you are, you're helping that virus. You're bringing that virus to whoever you are getting close to. So stop it, stop <laughs> it. Um, all right, now as we uh, ponder the future, uh, we get very scared. And those of us who have listened before, those of you out there who have listened before understand the ritual that's coming. And if you're new, we'd like you to participate. Um, the show is called What the If? And every week we ask an if. We take on an if. And it is viral. And so coming at us, if you think there are half a billion virions, virus, virus I, viruses <laughs> on the tip of a pencil, the number of ifs is... 10 times that. <laughs> They're coming and we're getting scared. We don't know what's coming at us. We don't know what these ifs are. And so we cannot help but scream the name of the show. Oh, what, before I forget, uh, Gabby, you're going to get a... If, as long as the mail service continues to operate, you are getting a special gift, a finger puppet of a Ooh. great scientist or science fiction character. I'm sure I can find one who's been in, worked in genetics. And that is coming to you for being an amazing, amazing guest. And that comes from the Unemployed Philosophers Guild. Uh, some friends of ours and you and all your friends and everyone listening you can get 10% off anything in their store at philosophersguild.com and now watch out here come the ifs and we cannot help but scream what the if, 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 if.